1: Hello, my little cheese puffs. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting show. Before the show officially starts, we have time for me to talk to you a little bit. Um, I want to tell you guys about Nature Box. When 3 p.m. hunger pangs hit, you can tough it out, but you'll get cranky, you'll get lightheaded, or you hit the vending machine and pack on pounds. And let's face it, vending machines never have anything that you feel good about choosing. But there's a third option Snack Smarter this year with Nature Box. Um, sign up for Nature Box and you get great tasting, healthy snacks sent right to your door stuff like French toast granola, salted caramel pretzel pops, dark cocoa almonds. Um, they sent a bunch over to the studio, and uh, I'm still bitter because I got maybe a couple of blueberry nuts, but uh, certain Chris Loxamana ate all of them. They were sweet blueberry almonds. That's what they were, um, but they they were so good. And a couple of the other items they have sourdough cheddar pretzels, South Pacific plantain chips, everything bagel sticks. Baked sweet potato fries, a whole bunch of stuff that you will feel good about eating and uh, you'll want to eat. Zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup, and nothing artificial, and it ships free. So right now, you guys can try your first order of NatureBox at 50% off by going to naturebox.com slash allison. That's naturebox.com slash allison. Get a handle on your health and your hunger. Go to naturebox.com slash allison. I said slash allison in a funny way. I said it like this, slash allison. Also, Hulu Plus. You guys know Hulu.com. Hulu Plus is so much more. You can watch thousands of hit TV shows and movies in your living room or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. With Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite TV shows like New Girl, Once Upon a Time, Dancing with the Stars, Scandal. You can also check out exclusive content, including Hulu originals like The Wrong Man's and Behind the Mask, which is Hulu's new docuseries that takes you inside the world of sports mascots. For only 7.99 a month, you can catch up on current shows, binge on old favorites, or catch a great movie. Stream as many TV shows and movies as you want, wherever you want. Really, This is the way to be watching these days, people. Never be bored again with Hulu Plus and your phone or your tablet. You can be entertained wherever you are. So right now, you guys can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. That's a special offer just for you guys. Make sure to use HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. So you get the extended free trial, and they know that we sent you, and then they love me, and that's really the point of it all. Uh, Or you can just click on the Hulu Plus banner on my website, allisonrosen.com. So go there now for your extended two-week free trial. Okay, Gary, I believe we have an iTunes Comment of the Week, do we not?
2: Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them.
1: Yes, she does. Please
3: leave her some iTunes comments, and don't forget to click five stars.
0: All right, this one comes from Remain Fabulous and it's titled Picky Picky But So Happy. I'm so happy I found this podcast as a picky podcast listener. I must say I thoroughly enjoy this one. Allison and Gary have made me laugh and think all in the same episode. Plus, I also heat my coffee right after it's made so it's scalding hot.
1: Thank you so much for your comment. However, I don't heat my coffee after it's made. In general, I like to cool the coffee off with a fair amount of milk. I use almond milk. And then I like to drink it right away. So these animals that i mean not you you're great because then you have great taste in podcasts who who have to just heat their coffee up right after i don't understand it but you just keep doing whatever you do gary do you heat your coffee up no i
0: don't it's and i don't like going to fancy coffee places because it's always too hot yeah. there's a thing i or saw on, wimps. there's a thing i saw online that's called like the the julies or something it's a kickstarter campaign it's like a piece of metal with something inside of it that you put it in and it will like absorb the heat and get your coffee to like the exact right temperature and keep it there like three times longer
1: i love so that i've always
0: been interested in but never actually tried
1: you saw it on amazon
0: it was a kickstarter campaign oh julie's, j-o-u-l-i-e-s or something like that just oh google. like the
1: unit of measure of heat measurement
0: right so like just google uh kickstarter coffee temperature it's interesting I'd be, if anyone out there's used it, tweet us and let us know.
1: Yeah, please do. Um, so I don't put my coffee in the microwave, but you know what I do do? <laughs> I said do do. I do do remove hair. <laughs> do <laughs> and you, you do sh- do that I with do. the no no? I I do do remove hair hair with the no no, and you you should do that as well. Stop going to these expensive waxing appointments and laser hair removal treatment appointments which are painful and expensive and inconvenient you can just do all of that in the comfort of your own home with the no-no it the no-no's little portable device it's the size of a cell phone uh, and it's safe to use on your body and your face. It doesn't hurt at all. They told me that it doesn't hurt, and I said, "Well, I think I'll be the judge of that." And then I uh, didn't use it for a few days because I was afraid because it, I do not enjoy pain. But when I finally conquered my fears and use the no-no, I discovered not only does it not hurt, you can't even feel it, but there's this little it lights up in a special way to tell you if you're doing it right. So it's fun. As well as effective. Um, You get weeks of long-lasting results. Never again do you have to make an appointment for an expensive treatment. Uh, No more nicks, cuts, ingrown hairs. The No-No works on all skin types, all hair colors. It's safe and effective for both men and women. So there's an exclusive offer for my listeners. That's you guys. Go to NoNoBestFriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Again, that's NoNoBestFriend.com or call 800-508-4815. And here is the offer. The No-No device... You get the exclusive facial kit so you can use it on your body and your hair. A a travel case, which, by the way, I've seen it. I have it. It's snazzy. It's a snazzy travel case. It'll stand up your whole traveling. And the entire purchase is backed by their triple guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. You don't risk a penny to try the no-no. Terms and conditions may apply All right. Just one more quick thing to tell you. And then here comes the episode. And let's say right now you're thinking, God damn, I just want to hear the episode. I would say to you, let's chill the fuck out. It's almost here. You know what else is almost here? Valentine's Day. Don't mess this one up, you guys. You know what you should order for Valentine's Day for your beloved or just order it for yourself. Sherry's Berries. Sherry's Berries are giant, juicy, delicious strawberries dipped in thick chocolate. There's white chocolate with swizzle. There's milk chocolate with nuts. And there's dark chocolate with chocolate chips. There's also all sorts of other combinations as well and and other things. Those just happen to be the strawberries that are on my mind right now. My favorite are the white chocolate with the dark chocolate swizzle on them. Um, But they also have cake pops and they have uh, cherries and... Cookies that are dipped. They have all sorts of stuff. You guys, here's an offer. You get giant freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berry starting at just $19.99. That's over 40% savings. Or you can double the berries for just $10 more. And you just need my code, BESTFRIEND, when you order. Um, again, they're, they're in my refrigerator right now. But they're they're the amount of berries is dwindling because Daniel has gotten into them. And I have, too. But he has gotten into them more, but that's okay. I'm just saying he needs to take his hands off my berries. So the only way you can get this amazing Valentine's Day deal where you get giant freshly dipped strawberries starting at nineteen ninety nine, or double the berries for just $10, is to visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in best friend. Again, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the microphone and type in best friend. Order today. Make sure you use best friend because then Sherry's Berries will be like, look at all the people ordering our delicious berries. We love Allison Rosen uh, she's our new best friend, and also let us know what you think of the berries. Tweet us and tell us. And and uh, every time I do this, people tweet us and tell us how much that the recipient of the berries loves them because they're just that good. Okay, it's time now. It is time for you to hear the episode. Here it is. Enjoy it. I love you. Here we go. LLC. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here with Paul Shear. Hello. 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 So I think everyone knows who you are. I'm just going to assume they do. I would but, take it. But sure. But if they don't. Yes. You're f- they, they probably know you best from – well, I'll I just would, mention a bunch of things. I would covered it all. Like, the League
3: is probably pretty big and Human Giant, uh, which is a show I did with Aziz Ansari and Rob Hubel, and then uh, some shows I do on Adult Swim like Children's Hospital and TSF, SDSUV. Those are kind of the big ones.
1: And if they're podcast fans, how did this get made?
3: Yes, you're right. Good call. And you pop up
1: all over, though. Mm. But so this NTS initials.
3: Yes. (laughs) NTSF SUV.
1: What is that?
3: It's a show that I do on Adult Swim uh, called National Terrorism Strike Force San Diego Sport Utility Vehicle. Kind of making fun of like CSI Miami or NCIS Los Angeles and Law and Order and all those dumb shows. Mm Mm-hmm. So we did three seasons of that and we did our last episode in London, which was amazing. We into, flew to London to shoot an episode.
1: That's really cool. Now do you is that do you uh direct and produce that and write that?
3: I have I have done all of those things, but I don't do it exclusively. Okay. So yeah. So I write episodes, I direct episodes, and I produce them all.
1: So you do everything. What was the first thing that you wanted to do? Well first you grew up in New York. I grew York, up in New right? York,
3: yeah, in Long Island. Which I'm always embarrassed about. I feel like Long Island is not a place where people are like proud to be from? Where are you from?
1: I'm from Orange County, which is very similar. Similar, yeah. yeah.
3: It has that vibe where it's like, yeah, you know, it It just, you don't want to, like, if I was from You don't some... have a
1: lot of cred. See, I was yeah. born in Oakland, and I like to work that That's in. Good. But if anyone then has a question, it's hard, because I really only lived there for, I don't know, less than a year.
3: Right. So, so yeah, you, but you can always say, I was born in Oakland, and then you can kind of let people figure out when right. it when the move happened. <laughs> Long Island is just... I don't know. I and, and maybe I'm angering people who are from Long Island and proud to be from Strong Island. But I I don't know. I, I feel like if I was from some place in, like, Oregon, uh, yes. you'd be like, oh, cool. Right. Yeah, like, there's something, Yeah, there's something there. It's, like, more substantial.
1: Right. Do you feel like it's not gritty enough?
3: I feel like it's not respected. Like, I may not know anything about Eugene, Oregon, but I feel like that's, like, it just feels, like, more of, like, oh, cool. You, you're from a place. Long Island just feels like, eh. Long Island, like it's mm-hmm. kind of like it, it. I feel like people like go like, "Oh, the Hamptons are nice, and New York City is cool, and Queens is its own thing, and Brooklyn's its own thing." But then there's like a whole chunk that's just like suburbs, suburbs. yeah, right. And yeah. it doesn't seem particularly classy in any way.
1: It is very much the Orange County of the East Coast, it very much, yeah. Except Orange County at least has the reality shows. I don't know if that well, elevates I was it say, or reduces I it.
3: Orange County is probably richer as a whole well then, i
1: I think the representation on t v is there's a lot I mean Orange county's big, and there's a lot of parts right. that that aren't like that, but people okay. think of it as opulent see
3: there you go and I feel like people are picturing like Long Island as like, eh,
1: why don't you go over here
3: like it's very <laughs> like that kind of terribleness uh but yeah, um, I don't know what did I want to do when I was a kid? I loved Eddie Murphy like that was my thing like I used to have like those cable I'm dating myself, but the cable box where if you like Touch the knob just a little bit. You could get like a, a blurry picture of the HBO because it wasn't like, – it wouldn't be clear. It would be like kind of squiggly. And I just – Yeah, what was it? it there was, was
1: a word for, for like MacGyvering your cable box. Yeah, you could like, kind of just like – box or something? You
3: could, yeah, you could – I remember like you could always like buy this thing. Like my dad's friend had a guy <laughs> who could do it. But it was too expensive for us. But you could watch – and at that point in my life, like Delirious and Raw were on – Like on TV all the time on HBO. But you didn't need to unscramble it. You could just listen to it. So that was amazing. I loved Eddie Murphy. I loved SNL when he was on it. and I watched all that. So I think those were my first kind of big influences Mm -hmm. as a kid kid.
1: Did you grow up in a family that had a similar sense of humor? Because that's pretty ribald for a kid.
3: No, my my dad had a really good sense of humor. My dad opened me up to everything, like from SCTV to Saturday Night Live to – uh, oh, man, like Monty Python. Like he was taking me out to like, improv shows when I was in high school and wow. really like
1: – That's really cool. Yeah, he
3: supported all of that and kind of – one of my things my dad used to do was take like adult movies – not like adult movies, like porns, but like like even like – this is like, the one I remember very clearly is a movie called Armed and Dangerous with John Candy and Eugene Levy. And there was like a nude scene in it. And my dad like had two VCRs and he cut out the nude scene because the rest (laughs) of the movie was fine. he was like, well, now you can watch this. He was like
1: Blockbuster before it's time.
3: Exactly. Cutting Did they cut out? I worked at Blockbuster. They didn't ever cut out and my Blockbuster.
1: I – that Maybe that's just urban legend or lore. I always heard that they did that, although I don't actually know for sure. Oh, is that what it was? They didn't
3: rent like porn. And I think they walked the fine line of like the soft core. But – they never edited movies. I know that because I worked there, and that that we would have had it's a very Long out. Island
1: yeah. kind of job to have. Oh, I Yeah, think.
3: <laughs> I worked at the the blockbuster video that serviced play from Kid and Play and Natalie Portman before she changed her name.
1: Wow. Yes.
3: So wow. Natalie Portman came into our store all the time, and it was like kind of beautiful girls era, like mm-hmm. that. Like so, she was old, like more than professional, but. Uh, the movie, but uh, and so, but we were like, wow, who's this like beautiful girl? Like, because she was roughly our age, and um, it wasn't creepy, and it was just like, whoa, whoa, and and then we then we kind of all put it together because her name was not the same, it, like, her movie name is Natalie Portman, but her what,
1: what's her real name?
3: I don't remember, it's her something Blockbuster Card, her blockbuster, name? yeah, <laughs> it, it was something very like pedestrian, you know, mm-hmm. it was you know, um. And probably, for lack of a better term, it just is very Jewish sounding. Like, it was it's like a very – you know, so – and that's why we never could figure it out. And then we're like, I think she's an actress. And then we figured it out and we all freaked out.
1: Gary knows her name.
3: Hirschlag. Oh, I was kind of wrong. Well,
1: why would she change that?
3: <laughs> Hirschlag is a movie – that isn't – you're so not going to become famous. <laughs> <laughs> Hirschlag.
1: No. Okay. What did you yes. think of
3: Garden State? Ooh, that's a – Interesting question right out the gate.
1: Well, because you mentioned Natalie Portman and then I was remembering her saying the shins will change your life and then I wanted to vomit.
3: OK, well, here's my Garden State's a tricky thing for me. I have opinions about certain movies. I have not watched Garden State in a long time. When I saw Garden State, it hit me at the right time and I was in. I, I was out of a long term relationship. I was kind of a little bit lost. I was kind of dating this girl that I, I liked and we had this this thing about this movie. I liked it. I was 100% in. listened to the soundtrack a bunch. I, I don't know if I respect that opinion. So don't, you know, don't go down, you know, don't like say I'm terrible, but I for whatever reason that movie like the way the time that it came to me it was a good thing.
1: Hmm. I um didn't I like thought it. no, I I, di- I didn't. I'm not yeah. making, I'm not hiding yeah. that at all. I yeah. thought it was very twee and it just I although I cannot remember exactly why at this point it well, just bugged
3: me i mean i understand every reason why i shouldn't have liked it i mean like just very like oh man like sucks i'm in la and i just you know i can't get a job as an actor and my dad is sick but we don't have a good relationship and i'm just gonna meet this girl who's like beautiful and i'm gonna be weird in my motorcycle like it had every element of what an independent like almost a parody element of what an independent film was yes
1: See, and I had a similar reaction to Napoleon Dynamite.
3: Napoleon Dynamite, I never got on board with. I never was like, yeah, I was like, I don't get it. I don't know why people yeah. love this movie.
1: Both, but see, I think both of those movies, if you had never ever seen a movie and right. you just watched them, it would be okay. It's yes. in the context of other movies that I think do it better. Well, Napoleon Dynamite, I actually felt like there was something very cynical about the way it was just a pure nostalgia fest i don't know i remember the opening credits of that movie bugging me i just
3: remember like every like i'm always a late adapter to big things like sopranos i didn't watch for like the first three years like fuck the sopranos no one i don't give a shit and then i watched and i was like oh my god this is amazing and then napoleon dynamite everyone's like oh my god the funniest movie i've ever seen and it was built up so much Mm -hmm. and i think comedy whenever it's built up so much it's very hard to have it pay off in any kind of fulfilling way because yes. your expectation of it is like, oh, I'm going to laugh so hard. And uh, Napoleon Dynamo is like, yeah, it's good, great performance and like weird characters. And, but I don't get why it's like, define, like defining this new generation right. of people like, my yeah. favorite movie.
1: Yeah, I felt like – I just felt like Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums were yeah. more – hundred percent for me um okay so you so your dad was uh, totally supportive of all of this stuff
3: and really like i think i kind of you know say that he kind of helped paint my comedy like he i didn't have a brother or sister i had some stepsisters along the way when my mom got remarried but uh but he really like gave me all that stuff and I listen to like comedy ta- I still have all my comedy tapes like Bob and Doug McKenzie and you know and uh Richard Pryor tapes and Bill Cosby tapes and some other brothers. You know. So I-, I listen to that with my dad all the time. My mom is not not funny, but she's just not she's not that. Like you know, I think she gets it, but uh yeah, she's not one to like, crack jokes or anything mm-hmm. like that. Does she laugh at your jokes? I think so. My Anything that I do with my mom is always like in the – like if I want my mom to watch anything, I have to be prepared for like 90 questions no matter what. So there's never – I've never watched anything full on and I also feel like my mom is so committed to being invested in it. That she's watching it so hard, like she's not like it's she's unable to like
1: not seeing the forest for the trees. Yeah, she's just like
3: okay, oh, that was a great shirt you were wearing. Like and like (laughs) yeah, like like you know. So she's just so focused, so locked in. Uh, So it's not for she's also supportive. It just you know yeah, I don't know what she finds funny. Although I know she watches a lot of the stuff that I do,
1: that's so funny. I think I, I, my mom also asks ninety questions. Now, what are the questions that your mom asks?
3: Oh, where did you shoot that? Oh, what's going on there? Is he nice? What does he dating anyone? Oh, what's what's that about? Oh, Paul, is that dog? Is that a nice dog? Like it's all these things. Like, oh, that's a nice couch. Now, do you buy that couch or do you get that over here? Do they let like, you keep those clothes? You know, it's all detail oriented. Yeah, all. Do you like, feel
1: like she? here like here's what remembers the answer because my thing with my mom is Mm. oh she does oh no no i'm listening yeah my mom my thing with my mom is that she asks the questions and i'm like i know that you're not like it's not going in because you're going to ask me the same question in 20 minutes i think
3: that she so wants to just understand it so different than what she does my mom's my mom has a crazy career. She was like a nurse and then she became a biofeedback technician. And then she became a therapist and then she became a lawyer. And now she's like the president of a hospital. Wow. So, yeah, she's a very like – Nancy uh, person. Yeah, she's <laughs> she was in college until like last year. Like she's always getting another degree, another you know. So
1: does she just does she get bored, or is it she just wants to keep bettering I think herself? She just wanting to keep
3: on going up mm-hmm. and up. I you know, she tells me now that her dream was always to become a president of a hospital, which she has achieved, and now she's writing a book. She's writing a um, a fiction book, a murder mystery fiction. So she's doing that. She just I think likes to be have purpose and and work hard. So. She's I think trying to wrap her head around what what's going on and, and so when I like when I can bring my mom to a set, it's the best because she will just sit there and not like she could literally sit in a chair all day, twelve hours, and be so because she's like just oh sorry. She's just taking it in. Just taking it in.
1: That's cool. Um when did your parents get divorced?
3: When I was three years old, my parents got divorced. And my parents lived together actually for two more years in the same house. And I didn't know. I mean, I was three. I wasn't so perceptive, you know. <laughs> uh, and But they were doing this crazy thing where my dad would uh, leave when I went to bed and then get there before I got up. And so it was like I didn't even understand that for a while they lived in the same house. And then my dad got another place. So it was a subtle, slow transition. So I think around five is when I kind of – realize that we were in different spots.
1: So they, he would leave when you went to bed and be there when you got up because they were trying to protect you? I
3: think that they, you know, it was in the, like where, I mean, like early 80s. Where did he 80s. go? Did he have his own? Yeah, he, went, yeah, he, he slept in a cardboard box outside. Uh, <laughs> no, but he, like, I think that he was, for a while they were living together in the house and trying to make it, they were trying to do the right thing always. Uh, I don't know if that's the best thing for them. For me, it was kind of good because I think it gradually just felt... I don't remember. I guess I don't remember a divorce. Like I don't remember. Like oh, my parents got divorced. But again, I was five, so it's like, and I only remember them really separate. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the one memory I always have about them when they were together but divorced was I woke up one night and I saw my mom sleeping in the guest room, and I was like, "Why are you sleeping in the guest room?" And my mom's like, "Oh, because part of our bed is broken, and I couldn't sleep on it, so I'm sleeping in here, and your dad's sleeping in there." And I was like, "And I was like, oh, great, you know?" And I did, but. For whatever reason, I must have known something was wrong because that one fact has, like, burned into my brain from, like, four years old. It's so. such
1: a good metaphor. Part yeah, of I know. That is broken. But, yeah, I
3: know. It really is.
1: <laughs> um, so how do you think they're divorcing when you were somewhat young? How did yeah. that affect you, do you think? I,
3: you know, I feel like I'm very lucky in that sense that my parents got a divorce, but I got the best part of both of them. Like, my dad was so active in my life and he came – you know out two three times a week and I get to see him on weekends so he was he lived in queens i lived in long island and uh it was fun you know like he was there all the time so i got the best of my dad i got the best of my mom i didn't really feel it until later my parents got uh, div- uh my dad got remarried and that kind of like when i turned like 30 that became like a real divorce and i was like oh man i'm dealing with this now like it seemed like my parents Like drew a dividing line because the whole time my parents were very much like my dad was over at Christmas. He came over on Thanksgiving and we'd always hang out. We'd always go to dinner. Like it was a family unit. So they did that for, you know, 30 years. So God bless them So but but at 30, I was like, now I'm dealing with this. And it was really hard. It was much harder. Because he
1: remarried when you were 30?
3: Yeah. And it was much harder. Like I don't know what, you know, that's all their business. But it's all, you know, it's sort of like that kind of just triggered this kind of chain reaction that just – I think finally gave them like a, a breakup moment, whatever it was. Like I think almost like they – the maybe the thing to take away is like they were trying so hard to make it all good. And then – now, meanwhile, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, your dad got remarried, your mom must be so sad and lonely. My mom's been remarried three times. So and like my mom was married three times during it. But for when, whatever reason, you. when my dad got remarried, it was like that's what kind of did it. So I think my mom kind of overreacted to it or, <laughs> or she reacted the right way. Who knows? I know it's kind of a crazy. But
1: one. did, well, I guess I'm, did, so your mom reacted when your dad got remarried. Yes. Although I can understand, I can totally understand how you can, how both things can be true. You can be remarried, you can be, have right. moved on, but it still is upsetting There's when that happens. There's something
3: going on. Yeah, because I think at that point too, it had been so long and then it becomes like, this other wo- – like this other woman is, is there and you've also right. wrapped your head around a certain way of being and thinking for, you know, what, 27 plus years. So it's it's tough. Yeah.
1: But you're saying it, it affected you as well? It affected
3: me because my parents who were so close together right. and it was so easy to manage became – it was like the metaphor of divorce. Like, oh, now it's like – I got i can 't see them really always together, and it 's a little bit more complicated and For a while it was a very like tricky situation mm-hmm. like so where I got off scot free all the time, my dad would come in, my mom would come in to visit me. It would be very collaborative now it 's very much like they 're divorced, and I deal with that
1: mm-hmm. um and so how did you get into entertainment
3: into entertainment <laughs> I like that question i I think I got into this Basically, my dad and I would hang out every weekend, and he was like – it's surprising because the dad – my my dad is, I think, just a fan of a lot of stuff. So he would take me to see Broadway shows. He's like, let's go see Broadway shows. Let's go listen to music. Like he was always introducing me what to a lot of – What does he do? Of, he's a pharmacist. He actually has uh, two pharmacies, and now he does uh, sort of pharmaceutical consulting. And but your he,
1: mom's president of the hospital. Yeah, wow. it's pretty
3: interesting. and uh, And so – He was like my older brother in a sense of like, let's go do this cool thing and find this cool thing. So we found this place called Chicago City Limits, which is like an improv comedy show in New York. And it was very whose line is it anyway kind of improv. I mean now improv I think is more associated with like UCB and the cooler and it's more edgy. But back then it was – you know, who's on it anyway. Like every time we hit it's this bell, yeah, you'll say games. a different word. You know, it's like, they're going to leave the room and we're going to come up with a funny phrase and they're going to have to come back in and guess it. You know, so, and I saw that and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like I didn't know that this could even exist and I, I was a, like a fan of Eddie Murphy and I was a fan of SNL but I didn't like have a thing of like, I want to do stand-up and I, I I I tried to do it as a kid, you know, kid stuff, show. you know, shows for my family but, But that, when I saw it, I was like, that's so cool. Like, they're making it up. And my dad got me enrolled in these classes. And I was the youngest person in these classes. At
1: Chicago City Limits? At
3: Chicago City Limits. I was like, you know, I was a freshman in high school. And (laughs) the youngest person after me, I guess what I would say, like, was easily like 25 you know, so that's like fifteen to twenty five. Did your and dad
1: take you to the classes? My dad
3: would like drop me off down the block, and then I would go in. <laughs> you know, so it wasn't like it wasn't like, and he was a cool dad. Like he would be like, he knew like, go and do your thing, and he and and so I got there, and then this like, I kind of created this myth that I was just a freshman in NYU. I was an NYU freshman, and I lived in Long Island. I commuted. And that was my – because I did – You didn't it, want them to uh,
1: know how young you were. Exactly.
3: And then – so I was hanging out with this group. And did you, or did
1: you actually have to be 18 to take the class? No. Or?
3: It was totally cool. Like it was – because there was nothing – you know, it was like right. a Saturday afternoon class in the city. It was the best. And – but one time they're like, you want to come with us? We're going to go out after class. And I was like uh, – I said to my dad, like, gonna, we're going to go out after class. And, <laughs> and he was like, OK, yeah, go, go and do your thing. So I went out after class and this one guy like lit a joint. And I was like, "What is going on? <laughs> this guy is smoking drugs." Like, and I, that's also to tell him the the sheltered life that I lived. That you know, at fourteen, I was not aware of marijuana. I was aware of it; that it was a drug. But I was like, "He's smoking it in Central Park. What is what is <laughs> happening?" And I remember that I had one friend in that class, and she was like a, a younger woman, and I was like, "Can you believe it? He's smoking." And she's like, "Yeah." What's I was like. It's like in the park. It's like and uh, and I was like so blown away. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. And I would talk to these people on the phone. That like they would call me up, and I would just chat with them. I mean, it's crazy. They only
1: didn't wasn't one of your parents answering the phone no, when they would call you up? Did because you have your own line? I did.
3: <gasps> I actually had the so coolest lucky. situation when my mom got remarried to this guy. He had a house that was a. Uh, a mother-daughter house. So the top of the house was a, our family house, but below was a little apartment. So it was a living room, a kitchen, a dining room, and a bedroom. And it was the best. I had my own private entrance. And I it,
1: always oh. I always was drawing up plans for like a greenhouse that my parents could build oh. off their house that I could live in. They never went for it.
3: It was the best. I mean, having this. And, and like you get to basically. Had I had a lived duck in, pond. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I want that. Like, but that was the best thing. I mean, think about it now. It's like, I had my own apartment like I was living yeah. I had I watched my I watched TV when I wanted to watch TV I watched what I wanted to watch I could eat down there I had a bedroom I had like I had a bedroom and a living room and a kitchen like it was amazing had could parties. you have girls over um I could did I no um my friend had girls over I think I was just like I was a good kid like my parents were like if you have sex you're gonna have disease or you're gonna get a girl pregnant and I was like got it Won't do that. Like, if you're going to do drugs, you'll get addicted and you'll kill yourself. Got it. Didn't do it. Like, so I was very much like took them at face value and I just didn't really do anything that was untoward.
1: So were you a late bloomer?
3: I guess in that sense. uh, Yeah, I guess in that sense I was. I mean, it's different though, too, because I feel like now kids are just so much more aware of stuff. Like, you know, like I felt I was, I understood sex and that kind of stuff, and I dated girls, I just was a little bit more like straight edge, like in a weird way. I was like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do this. And, you know, and then by the time senior year got around, it was a little bit more loose and I had parties. when My parents were away and it was fun. And it just was, I was like very, my mom had a very effective way of making me super afraid that if I had sex, my mom did this thing. Remember it so clearly. It was like, if you have sex with a girl. It's not that they'll get pregnant. This is the beginning of it was. But now she's like – now it's a couple of years later. She's like, not that they'll get pregnant. It's not that they you – know, you you'll get a disease. It's more that you have to live with this burden that you may take something away from someone. And they might not be emotionally ready for that. And it was like – and that to me resonated like – it was like this is a big thing. Like I, I can't – like, you know, like – and I feel like also all my friends at that age – We're not like – like a blowjob was a thing that like you were – like I went to Catholic school and it was like a blowjob was like, oh, that girl, Emory, so-and-so gave that guy a blowjob. And it was like – but it was like one girl and it wasn't like – it wasn't like people were having sex. So I didn't feel like I was that far out of the loop. Um, But I know that I had that burden of like, oh, Mm -hmm. boy, yeah, this is uh, is a big deal. I can't just, you know, have sex for granted.
1: Do you think that was good?
3: In a way, I do. Like – There's plenty of time to have sex. Like, you know, it's like, so yeah, I I, like, it's not like I was like, I feel like if I like had sex once and then got married, it would be terrible. But it's like, I feel like there's enough shit going on in high school. Like do what you want. Everyone can do what they want. But it's also like, I was fine not to have that burden. Like, and you know, and then you take it out, like, you know, just like be a kid, I guess for a little bit. I feel like kids are like, I don't want, like, I didn't have to navigate too much about drugs either. Like. Like the most I really did was drink a bunch of Zima and like Killian's <laughs> Red, like, and and it was great and it was fun, but it was like I'm glad like that level in high school was perfect for me. Like I feel good about that, like, because I, I also feel like I don't want to fuck. Like I, mean, I still feel it like now. It's like I don't want to fuck up in high school. At like, the last place, like I don't want to like screw up my life because of a high school mistake. And not that I would have. And I know plenty of people probably got high all through high school and fucked a lot of people during high school. But for whatever reason, it was like. It just kind of like, yep, and high school's gone and here's my life, mm-hmm. you know.
1: But when you did discover these things, was there any sort of, wait a minute, I feel like they made me overly frightened?
3: Um, No, because then it just kind of was like, oh, yeah, this is now this is the new thing. Like, now we just do this. Like, I felt like college was just sort of like, oh, yeah, and that's what you do in college. It's <laughs> just you're an adult now and you do. But I also wasn't like a big drug guy uh either. Like, I'm like, not again, like not really against it. But also, just like a, I had, I think I have a lot of like anxieties. Like, I'm like, I don't want to get addicted to pot, you know, which is just ridiculous. But I, and I had friends who, who were smoking a lot of weed and it was not judgmental, but I also remember like being so like enamored with a gay person. Like, I didn't have these things in my life. Like, in high school, I didn't know any gay people. And that may be the sheltered nature of just like, catholic school on, on long island it was just well, not
1: especially imagining catholic school it would be yeah that'd be a hard place for a gay person to be openly like gay. there's
3: yeah there's like no gay people there's no jewish people barely any black people you know no hispanic people it's like there's not like you're in a very white kind of little circle it's it's not super great like i mean that in that way you know you're in a very that's like small March county
1: yeah it's so like very homogenous
3: and then when i got like to NYU, I went to NYU and I went to New York and I was like, whoa, it was a kind of like an amazing explosion. But I felt like I was also ready for it because my dad would bring me to the city and I, I was like doing acting classes. And I was doing all the, you know, I was. It's so having... funny
1: that, that you ended up going to NYU where four years before you claimed you went.
3: Exactly. Well, the only reason why I went to NYU was because, you know, college came. And I didn't ever have, like, a passion to do anything. I wasn't like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a doctor. Nor did I. Nor was I like, when I grow up, I want to be an actor. I was just sort of like, I just didn't have a thing. And everyone was like, I'm applying to BU. I'm applying to this. And I was like, ah, Theo from the Huxtables applied to NYU. I'll apply there. I applied to one school, and that was it. And it was just because... Theo, Theo from Cosby Show went there. That was – like when I look back on that decision, I go like, <laughs> where are my folks on that one? Like, where, like they were like, yep, you can only – we'll only let you apply to one school and it's because this guy went there. And even when I got in, my mom <laughs> bought like all this NYU film school stuff. I didn't go to the film school. I didn't even go to the acting school. I went to the, the school of ed. So my mom, for the four years I was there, was always like wearing like her NYU film hat. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not an NYU film, but I appreciate that you're wearing it.
1: Well, did she think that's what you wanted to do?
3: I don't know exactly. I,
1: I mean, were they having a sale on the film merchandise? Yeah,
3: maybe. I think my mom just thought like NYU was a film school. Oh, which it kind of is, but I wasn't going there for that. It was so weird. I don't know. Uh, you went to
1: school of ed.
3: School of ed to become like a teacher, and I think at a certain point. Um, my girlfriend at that point in my freshman year, she was taking a painting class, and I was kind of envious of that. I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's like cool, doing this cool thing at like this art school on the weekends." I want to do a like a hobby, and I was like, "I'm going to go back to Chicago City Limits," which I had stopped taking, you know, probably when I was a sophomore or f- junior, and I jumped into uh, I jumped into that like I jumped into CCL again, and then I got into their touring company, and I was basically touring around the country. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going back to school on Monday and because we'd be off on Fridays at NYU. So I was like touring throughout the whole college time and I uh, didn't really – I don't have any college friends because of that. I had all these friends that were like 30 years old that were doing short form improv and it was like the best people. And some of those people are like, Eddie Pepitone who you know I still know mm-hmm. to this day and a bunch of people that are still around at UCB like Andrew Daly, uh, Eugene Cordero and a handful of other people around.
1: That's really cool. When you were touring, was there – what was the name? Like was it a troupe or was Chicago it – was
3: Chicago City Limits but they were the national touring company and we did like some po dunk towns. I mean <laughs> we did like community art centers and sometimes high schools and sometimes we do like bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. And like when we did those, we were literally – I remember one. We were in the kitchen of this girl who was having uh, a bat mitzvah and we came out. Like the kitchen was the backstage, and we performed for them in the living room. We would go backstage and do costume changes. <laughs> so like we did like all levels, and then sometimes we do like like we do like Stanford, and it was amazing. I remember Chelsea Clinton was at Stanford. I've had two weird run-ins with Chelsea Clinton. One that she was in the audience at this shitty short-form show that I did, and then when nine eleven happened, she lived in my building in New York, and we both watched. We could watch down our our uh, building. We could watch the towers. And I remember her being there and then her getting, um, like, Secret Service coming to the building, which was really kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. What was she like? Super nice. And I didn't really even, like, it wasn't like I, like, was buddies with her. But it was, like, very – it was just like – I remember being in my building and going, oh, shit, Chelsea Clinton lives. Like, it it wasn't even – and I think she may have just been uh, in a relationship with a guy who lived in the building, I think. Because my building wasn't super nice. I was going to say, how
1: fancy is your building? Yeah, it wasn't
3: super nice. Uh, You know, so I feel like potentially – Yeah, potentially she just was like probably boning some dude there.
1: Where in New York was this building? Uh,
3: Twentieth and Park. So it was like a kind of a So Gracey Park. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really really fun.
1: You live here now, yeah? Yes, I live in L.A. How recently did you move here?
3: I say I moved here recently, but 2005. So it's been a long (laughs) time. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, I have had the same car since I moved here, and my car is really old now. That's I think that's what's kind of like getting me. I'm like, oh right, yeah, I've been here for a long time.
1: Mm Hmm. Um. What made you decide to move here
3: um, well at that point, I had gotten you know i had done a lot of stuff in New York, like I was at the UCB theater, which was amazing, and that was kind of exploding popularity and
1: and you were performing there, and you're, were you teaching there as well I
3: was yeah, I performed and I taught there, and uh, it was amazing like UCB opened up the whole world to me it was you know, and I was doing bits on Conan, I was doing best week ever. I had auditioned for SNL a handful of times, and I think that the UCB was coming out here uh to open up their theater. They hadn't done it yet. I was like, well, check it out. Let me have a good time. And I went out here and I sold a show. The first time I came out here, I sold a show and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. What show that? It was like a, a scripted show that I wrote for HBO called Enchanted Kingdom. It never got made, but it was cool. It was like, you know, the first time I got an opportunity to do that. And and I just kind of I don't know. I, I was dating this girl who is now my wife and um, and she was really cool. June and,
1: Diane Raphael.
3: Exactly. That was her. And and it was like – and we – I really liked her and it was like this really – it kind of like amazing convergence of events. It was like I gotten out of this relationship. I've been out of it for a long time. And it was a long relationship and then I met her and it was really like a great – there was something really cool there and I didn't want to let that go and then – um on top of that, UCB was moving out here, and I felt like, well, there was nothing left for me to do in New York. Like The Daily Show, I had auditioned, never got a call back, so that wasn't going to be a part for me. Was that
1: I, a bummer? No,
3: because I didn't have any desire to do it, and the SNL, I auditioned like four times. I didn't get that, and I was like, well, what else is there to do comedy-wise? Like, I don't want to write for Conan. Like, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to kind of perform, so I was like, well, the only other place, that, there's nothing else left, the Daily Show, Conan, or, uh, or, or SNL, so... It, so I kind of moved out here and then of course I moved out here and the uh, – and then Human Giant, the TV show, got picked up. So like in literally York? in New York. So we got like – we had shot this pilot. We didn't think it was going to happen and then it got picked up and then we went back to New York and then we actually split it in New York and L.A. because Hubel – uh, Rob Hubel and I both moved out here at the same time. All my friends, all my like close friends that I performed with for 10 years, we all moved out here together. So we moved out here together with UCB. So it was a real community. It was great. And then immediately we we're like, oh, now we got to go back to New York.
1: I mean, how fast was that?
3: It was pretty quickly. I remember because we had shot the pilot. I'm trying to think if I lived in New York. I think I, I lived in New York when we shot the pilot. Yeah, I think, we, I, I think I lived in New York when we shot the pilot. And... Uh, and if not, I was kind of going back and forth a lot. And I lived in this shitty hotel uh, called the Yucca Apartments. It was like furnished rooms. It was like a hotel, like next to a Seven Eleven. It was Out like, here? Out here. It was yeah, like,
1: Yucca, there's nothing nice no, on that street. No, it's
3: right, like, right over, like right where that Seven Eleven is. It's like this old, shitty, rundown apartment. And, uh, and so I lived in that for a little bit. And uh, yeah, so we shot the pilot. And I was like, well, that's never going to go. MTV is all about like the hills and all that kind of shit. <laughs> so we, you know, we did it. And then... Um, Aziz and I actually got cast in this movie called School for Scoundrels, and so we were both were out here for that, and we found out when we were out here that like they picked up the show, and they're like, oh, shit. And so, yeah, and that was, was kind of great, and so it all kind of worked out.
1: And your wife was living in – you guys met in New York, right? Yes,
3: we met in New York. She was performing at UCB as well, but she kind of had come out of NYU, less of the – like I came up with like all these comedians like who were doing things like Eating It and – which is like an alternative stand-up show like where Mark Marin and, you, mm-hmm. you know, Ginny Garofalo and like Louis C.K. all performed and, you know, the UCB was kind of like the improv, cool sketch comedy version of what that was to stand-up. So that was like my whole kind of community and all my friends. And then um, June came out of NYU. she's younger than me. She had this like really funny show and Owen Burke saw it and he put it up at UCB and then – we – I went to go give them notes. He's like, give them notes because to kind going see if they were, they're getting it ready for Aspen Comedy Festival. And I was like, OK. And I met her there. It was June
1: and Casey Wilson, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. From Happy Endings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was – uh, yeah, it was great. So that's how we, we met and it was like a year-long – it was a – I was dating somebody when I first met her and she was dating somebody when she first met me. So we had like a year-long courtship where we kind of were like in and out of each other's lives, kind of flirting with each other but never cemented anything. And then we kind of got really serious really quickly. And it was – for me for a while like a little bit of an embarrassment because it was it got like so quick like it, it really was like oh wow this person's amazing and we kind of connected so hard but you don't want to tell people that either you don't know? like cuz it's like you're crazy you're going to regret this now i feel very confident saying it because we're married we've been married for a long time we've been together almost 10 years and like and we're, we have a baby on the way. Like, it's like now I can be like, yeah, well, I was right about that. That was a good, that was a good move, you know.
1: But you felt like you were potentially embarrassing yourself to what? To reveal to, to, that you're like, head over heels, like, or? Yeah.
3: Or just to be like, one of my reasons for moving out here was to be with her. Like, it was like that was a— She
1: wanted to come out here?
3: She was coming out here because she had also sold a TV show, like a pilot for UPN. Uh, and— and I was like, I don't want to let this relationship go. I really like this girl. And you see – like she was one of the four reasons. And that was like – and I think if she was not one of the reasons, I probably would have moved out here uh, more slowly. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have probably jumped into it as quickly as I did. But I was like, I don't want to lose this. I'm going to kind of chase this down. And I kind of – you know, we all rallied and kind of moved out here, all of our friends
1: wait okay so the four reasons were snl or
3: or no it was like it was oh no it was sort of like ucb was here oh yeah um i kind of felt like i kind of done everything i wanted to do in new york uh june was out here and then my friends were talking about kind of coming out here so it was sort of like it was a you know i kind of everything that i wanted or everything that i that were that was important to me was out here so that that kind of was a great transition and I know a lot of my friends kind of moved out here with no friends out here and it was really a horrible trying time before UCB I think for my brethren or my people like it was terrible it was like (laughs) yeah because there was nothing to do there was no place to get up if you're not a stand-up it was like a pretty Mm. isolating place
1: um you said it it, things happened very fast with her what do you mean
3: I just think that I don't know like like the only way I can kind of describe it because it was only with her it's like we just when we uh, when we kind of met it was it was just an intense kind of relationship like i like i was trying to keep it casual and i think she was too and it just didn't allow itself for that it just kind of and we were both in the same headspace she we was like i'm moving out to la and like and i'm not going to be in new york and i was like well fine i don't care cuz i'm going to be in new york and i don't give a shit like let's just have fun and it just we connected we clicked on some level, you know, it's like it's kind of that unknown quantity. It just sort of happened. if it was somebody different, it probably wouldn't have been that way. It, just was, a, it was just that moment that kind of just, you know, kind of pushed us towards it. You know, you don't know if there's any defining thing.
1: Mm. From the moment you met her.
3: Yeah. When I first met her, I really liked her. And then it was kind of a fun it was just a fun kind of courtship. And they, like I said, it lasted a year. So we kind of like were in and out of each other's lives for this year. And I was like oh, – But she's
1: also interested. trying to date other people or
3: – Yeah. We were just like – we were just kind of missing each other. Like when I first met her, I think I was dating somebody. I just gotten out of a long relationship and she just gotten out of a long relationship when I first met her. And we were both kind of dating people but we were not like into – you know right. it was like – Yeah, I mean, there's
1: usually a reluctance to head back into something anyway at that point.
3: And then, you know, and then there was a moment where I kind of got done with that person I was dating, but then she was kind of dating somebody and then vice versa. Then I was dating somebody and she was, you know, we just kind of like we're missing each other for about a year. And then for whatever reason, you know, again, like who knows why in that moment or whatever it was, it just kind of clicked.
1: Are you um, someone – are you like long-term relationship guy?
3: I think I am. I think that – I've had periods where I've not been long-term relationship guys, but I feel like I've been so picky that I've also feel like that's the kind of a, um, you know, like a sort of like I'm not picky, but like, I feel like, oh, for me to like could get involved on some level, like I've always, there has to be something special about this person or, you know, like, but then, you know, there, but there's been periods where I haven't been like, you know, yeah, but I guess, I I guess if I was to say it, I'd probably be a long-term guy.
1: Mm -hmm. So how is marriage?
3: the best the best thing ever it's um i mean to june it is i mean i don't know what it would be like to <laughs> anybody off yeah um yeah it's like a constant learning process and it's fun and it's exciting and you know i think you just have to i mean not that i should be giving advice but it's like just communication you know and it's um and having fun and making time and you know i think the thing is is like this business is like a terrible business you know like <laughs> it's like you're always up for you know rejection and You lose faith in yourself sometimes and there's ups and downs. But the truth is, is like the other person that's going to be there, the rock that you have in your life is the person you're in a relationship with. So I feel like that is – like so really take care of that. Like put that person before your career, before anything in the sense that they'll always be there. Like the job will never always be there. You're – not your – don't put this person before your passion but just like, you know, like take time. As much time as you would take to do things in your career, take time to do things – In your relationship, like, you know, and I feel like a lot of people take it for granted. It's like, okay, well, I'm dating this person and that's fine. It's going to it will not grow if it's not kind of taken care of and and constantly kind of tended to. So I Mm -hmm. feel like meeting June, she's very similar minded, like we're both do a lot of things. We both are very busy, but we make time for each other and we really like value that time. And it's like she's very much about like putting phones away and taking like you know, when we go on vacations, like we're done. Like there's no email. There's no anything. And it's great. And so even on Sundays, we will do that. Like we'll just do things and we just like – so we make time for ourselves. So I think that that's like the one great thing about it, you know, always having that time to connect.
1: And uh, how soon do you have a baby coming?
3: We have a baby coming very shortly uh, in about three months now. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy to even think about that. Yeah. About three months. Crazy. Um yeah which has been again a whole nother process and exciting and i you know i can't talk to fatherhood but it's like even the pre-fatherhood stuff it's like it's going to be it's going to be daunting it's going to be daunting as much as it's exciting and i think the thing that really hit me about that was um you have to make like you don't have to but you make a baby registry or whatever for this baby shower and so i was in charge of that and i've read books and stuff like that and the books were good and they were helpful in the grand view of like okay this is what's going on and but like when you make a baby registry and you start looking at like all the little like realistic details of like stuff that you need, like there's a straw that you need – like it's – because babies can't blow their nose. There's a oh, straw yeah. that you put in a baby's nose <laughs> you and you suck out a booger essentially and there's like <laughs> a little stopgap so the booger doesn't shooting in your mouth. But I was like, oh, shit just got real. Like it's not, not even like diapers because I get diapers. Go, diapers are gross. But – and that will be gross. And I probably haven't even taken that in yet. But like it's like, oh, no, no this is like a, you got to care. Like that's like sucking snot out of your baby's nose is like, oh, that's the kind of level that we're in for. And I don't even know what that's going to be. So, um, you know, we'll see.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. I I remember my mom had one of those for my sister i have a sister who's yeah. uh four years younger than i am and i read like this little blue rubber like bulb yeah. thing with a yeah. little end and i totally remember i mean i hadn't thought of it since yeah. i was four but i remember seeing that yeah what yeah. happens to a baby if you don't suck the snot out of its nose you i mean
3: gotta suck that snot out of that baby's nose. i mean they can't blow their nose they just got a nose i mean
1: cave people do
3: I'm sure they. Oh, gosh, they probably lost a lot of. Babies. Maybe they just put their mouth on it like Ugh. a hymic remove. just sucked it out. <laughs> or maybe, I mean, maybe the idea is too that eventually, like, who knows? Yeah, cave people. How did they get that snub out? <laughs> it's gonna guess. haunt me. I know.
1: Um, are you nervous about fatherhood?
3: Um. Yes and no. I feel like you're never gonna be like. I am totally ready for father. Like you never, like I think if you are, you're definitely not like, I feel like the only thing I can be committed to is the stuff I'm nervous about. I don't think is going to be the big deal. I think the stuff that I don't even know is coming is going to be the bigger stuff. So that is, uh, that's where I'm, you know, it's basically like living with low grade anxiety for the rest of your life. It's like, <laughs> you know? And, and like, so that's, you know, Again, I'm not a father, so I can't talk to it, like, effectively. But I'm sure, like, anybody out there with kids, like, you don't even know half of it. So, I mean, so, yeah, I'm just trying. We'll, we'll take it day by day. And I figure dumber people than me have done it and people <laughs> with less means has done it. So I, I feel like I can, I can, I can do it.
1: And how has her being pregnant affected the relationship? I'm not asking in oh. I'm not asking in a like in a bedroom way. I'm just oh. asking um, in general. It's
3: kinda great. You know, it's like like anything, it kinda brings you together. Like we've we've done this thing together and we're committed to it and we're learning about things together and we're you know, we're both in a point where we wanted it and we're excited about it. And you know, and it's also you're dealing with I mean, it's tough in the sense in the I mean, she's has a hard time eating it's a bummer because it's also like this is our last period of time where we're like out and about and having no reservations but she can't drink she can't you know do anything fun like you know there. um so that sucks and so she's done with energy but we're trying really hard to just keep on doing things and having fun but I feel like bad for her sometimes I'm like oh just want to be able to have a margarita, or I want to have a glass of wine, or just embrace that because. <laughs>
1: or be comfortable. Is she physically uncomfortable? I would imagine there's.
3: She's getting some of that. into the point where it's starting. Like, third trimester, I think, gets really hard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Look, the whole nine months is like. It's sort of like these up peaks and valleys. Like, we're in month six right now, and it's great because it, six is sort of like. You're done with the morning sickness. Your your body is like in a shape where people are like, "Oh, you're pregnant," not like, "Oh, are you fat?" <laughs> you know. So your body your body image is kind of back. And then it's then it's sort of like right now the only thing we're really dealing with, and this is you know sorry if this is boring, but like it's just like indigestion, like which is like in the grand scheme of things not terrible and tiredness. But then forget it. Like I think once this baby starts coming into the you know it's like it's big. You you're carrying a two pound human being or or more. You know, inside your belly. It's tough.
1: Um, so to go back to career stuff for a minute. Yeah. So you and I both did voices on this animated pilot, which are we allowed to talk about that? I, sure we can, I think right? we are because they yeah. had, had no the, retweeted right, yeah. some stuff. Um, and so it was me, Matt Walsh, Rob Hubel, yes. and you. Mm-hmm. It was such a treat for me to be in there watching you guys do your lines because you guys are so oh, nice hilarious um, and so natural. Do you do a lot of voiceover stuff?
3: You know, uh, every now and then I do voiceover stuff. I've done um, like some weird cartoons like *Tron: Uprising and uh, some like Kung Fu Panda and I've auditioned for like, you know, like it's fun, like whenever I can do it. But that was really fun just because, I mean, Hubel and Walsh are guys that I've known now forever. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, so it's really fun. And that was, I think, one of the really fun things, for, you know, I-, I knew you obviously, but Like Being able to do something with them and that's kind of like a – kind of underlines everything that I try to do in my career too is like just try to work with people that you know. It makes the experience so much more fun and and uh, and it's – I think it comes out – I think things have come out better because of it.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Let's take a quick break and then come back and do just me or everyone. Hey, you guys. It's me, Allison. I had to go to the bathroom. So I said to Gary that we have to take a break. As you hear this right now, I am in the bathroom. Okay, Thanks for listening. And we're back. And now let's do Just Me or Everyone.
3: All right. This, I'm very excited about Sometimes this segment. I on something <laughs> I have thought or done. Is it just me
1: or everyone? All right. Shittlesworth says, Just me or everyone, I can't resist stepping on crunchy leaves I see on the sidewalk. Ooh. Um, You know what? Lately, there have been a lot of crunchy leaves in my neighborhood. Which makes me think, why yeah. aren't people getting these off the sidewalk? Um, but sometimes when I'm stepping on them, which is not unenjoyable, but right. I think I feel like there could be a, like a, a a loose nail or a worm or some kind of tetanus, or just I wow. just shouldn't like casually crunch leaves.
3: Well, this is an interesting thing because I feel like you have a lot of concerns about. Underneath leaves, I don't know. I do not think about that. That's I would where jump that stuff into lives. a pile of leaves uh, if I could, but that just seems messy. You'd Roll
1: onto a syringe or something.
3: I, how many How many people are, have syringes on their front lawn? I feel like leaves are such a you know always in like a nice suburban neighborhood. It's not like you're in like uh, downtown L.A. like walking in Skid Row. <laughs> like I, I like a crunchy leaf step. I don't like it in my own house because then I have to clean it up. I like to crunch a leaf. Break it apart and then leave it. I don't have to sweep that shit up later on.
1: All right, Gary and Chris, is he able to hear this?
0: Yes, okay. uh, I'm with Paul. I I like a I like a leaf crunch, you know, yeah. out in public, but hopefully not. I don't even want it in my backyard or front yard because yeah. you will track inevitably pieces of it into.
3: You know what I will say? The the thing that a crunchy leaf might hide besides syringes. Is a wet leaf. That's what you don't want. A wet leaf. (laughs) A
1: clingy wet leaf. Ugh,
3: the worst. That's the worst. That's where mold, mildew, grossness hangs out.
2: Chris, oh no, we can't hear you. The best is when it hides more crunchy leaves, though.
3: That's right. Like Russian nesting crunchy leaves. leaves. Yeah. You got a jackpot of crunchy leaves.
1: (laughs) Mark Peabertie says, just mirror everyone. Whenever I see a rainbow, I still try to work out how best to get to the end of it. Love from Scotland. That feels like a very Scottish thing to say.
3: Yeah, that is. It feels like a very, like, I've, I think i not, I know that Irish are the leprechauns and stuff like that, but it does feel like a ma- he's a magical man. Like he wants, like, I'm like, ah, oh, I should live in Scotland to have those thoughts about rainbows. No.
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't, don't do, do that it. either. No.
3: Don't do it. Don't even t- want to take a photograph of it anymore. Uh, it would be amazing if I'll, you know, I mean, it doesn't, yeah, I'm not interested. Not interested. Rainbows, I, I'm on to you. There's no pot of gold. You're full of shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I will look when people point out rainbows, but it, I don't feel like it's as magical as we've been led to believe.
3: Yeah, it's not magical.
1: David so. says, "Is it just me, or does everyone at some point accidentally trash text the person they are trash texting about?" Um, I have. I've I've mentioned this before. Yes, I've only ever emailed the person I was emailing about, which is very yes. much the same. Yes, but
3: that is the worst feeling. Of all time. I wish that there was a feature on email and it should just be across the board. No matter what you send, you have like a 30 or 45 second window to be like, oh, no. And I think I th- there is. You're on Gmail? Oh, no. Do they have that on Gmail?
0: It's the greatest thing in the world. It saved my life at least a half dozen times.
3: Wow. Yeah. You see, I need to get on Gmail.
0: It's It's pretty great. And you can set how long it lasts for... You can? Just, just, yeah, i got to get in there. Up at the top, you can set for like how many seconds you want, and there's just like an undo button or like a stop oh. set. It's great. But that doesn't it only amazing. work if
1: the person's also on Gmail? No. Really? Yeah,
3: because it's
0: just, just basically holding when you, it. When you click send, it doesn't send. It just holds it for like 15 seconds. It makes it look like it's sent, and then you can click stop, and it'll just stop it. It's oh. best feature ever.
3: See, that's amazing. I need a, a nerd out there to tweet at me to tell me if I can do that somehow with my Mac mail. Mac... I I'm on I have I'm have a Mac email address or me email address, whatever they want to do now, but that should have a lot more features and it has none. Yeah. So mad about that bullshit.
1: Haven't you, a lot of people have been trying to get you onto Gmail for a while now?
3: Yeah, a lot of people have been really trying to woo me over. It
1: seems like, <laughs> it seems like everyone
0: in entertainment's on a Mac email address for some reason.
1: For a long time. And they were on AOL.
3: AOL. AOL. Yes. Yes. Comedy a specifically. Of,
0: yeah. Um to this JMO. Uh recently Lynette was on a phone call with a parent from her school who was flipping out about something and it lasted for 20 minutes and then she went to call Dixon and he picked up and she was like, God, you'll never believe the fucking nutbag I was just getting harassed by and it was the guy.
3: Oh boy, oh boy. It's tough, you know, because... What did she do? I have... She, she was, uh... And by the way, here's the thing and I think we should all probably take this in for ourselves. If you get someone trash talking you, If you get an email that is bad, you got to go, you know what? I got to take this with a grain of salt because it's in the moment. It's heated in the moment. It's not like I think 90 percent of the time, unless it's like, fuck that person. I want to kill it. Like, like, I mean, like, but I I would say you have to like go like I've done this and I haven't really always meant it. It's been in the moment. Like, so you got to give it some forgiveness. I did send an email one time where I told somebody I called him up and said, don't read that email. Please don't read it. That's smart. No, I think yeah. you're. I think, you think you're absolutely did? right. No, I don't think so. I think if someone asked me not to read an email, I would respect it. I wouldn't. I'd be like, "That's odd," but I would respect it.
0: Yeah, I think that you're right though, because it's like I've definitely sent emails to my roommates before. That if I'd accidentally sent it to Matt, it would have come off ten times worse than it was because we all live together and have inside jokes between each other and about each other. That so it's like you know you gotta you gotta really be careful and wonder. You know is this worth my time to take this at face value and get really upset about it?
3: The thing that I really fucked up this is the this is the worst that I've ever done. Somebody forwarded me an email and they're like, "Look at this idiot! This fucking like wrote this big thing about the email they forwarded me," and then I accidentally forwarded their email to me with the other like I incriminated oh, somebody no. else. Like, I didn't incriminate myself. Like, I forgot to do, you know, and it was like, oh, that was the worst because it wasn't me. I fucked somebody else over and I didn't mean to. That was, I still feel it in my gut. Like, that was unfair. That was an unfair move.
1: I have a similar story where someone forwarded an email where she had said something negative like, like we we were talking – it was about renting an apartment from yeah. her, a friend of hers. She was right. suggesting me and she had said something to me in there like about it and then forwarded an email to the friend and then the friend wrote back something because she was resume negative, And then I realized it's getting confusing. But then the one who I knew said to me like, oh, I really wish you hadn't forwarded that. And I was like, oh, uh, I would never would have. But I didn't. She did. But she thought uh, I did. Yeah, get that. Sorry, I'm getting somewhat distracted because I just realized – you and I have very similar noses from the side. And that oh, really? almost sounds like people who listen, that's gonna sound like an insult yeah. because I always talk about not liking my nose. Sure. Looking at your nose, I feel like I'm flattering myself because you have a good nose. Oh, thank you. And yet I feel like we might be nasal twins. Take a, picture, a little put it bit up online. from the side. Do okay, you guys look at us. Let's both look to our right. Do we not no, have you do. similar noses? You do.
3: I don't, oh, wow. It's
1: yeah. weird. only I have a better side of my nose and that's the one that looks like your nose from this side. Not so much, but
3: I like your nose. I think you have a very nice nose. Thank I you. I don't know why you are shitting on your own nose.
0: Yeah, it's got a smell.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to put a, a, a wrap on this guy's question. Let's all agree not to write shit in emails. I think that's the real thing to learn. Just yeah. never do it.
1: Treat it like anyone could read it. It's really yes. hard, though, because then you it's have to hard. deal with your shit in person, and that's very Makes hard. Makes it
3: better. Makes it better. Say it to a person in real time.
1: Tony DeCoste says, sometimes I'll dream I'm back in school or at an old job. I spend the dream trying to remember where I live so I can go home, just mirror everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have that speci- that exact yeah. dream, but I have dreams that are very similar to that.
3: I don't have that specific dream. I have a dream where I'm back. I mean, I have a very traditional dream. Like I'm back in high school and I'm doing – or I'm doing some sort of show and I don't know any of my lines yeah. and I'm forced to go out there and do the thing. And that's always interesting because sometimes it gets different results. Sometimes I just go out there and flop and other times I nail it. So uh, that's – you know, it's a fun dream to have. But the dream I always have that's the worst – I don't know if you guys – this is a you – know, this is a –
1: Just me or everyone? Yeah,
3: just me or everyone. I have a dream sometimes that I'm chewing gum. And I'm like, I just want to get the gum out of my mouth. I'm just pulling gum. It's just never-ending gum. Like, and I just feel like it gets bigger and bigger. And that's the worst dream because like you can't get the gum yes, out of your mouth. Yes, I
1: have that, but it's corn kernels.
3: Oh, really? <laughs>
1: or sometimes my teeth. Yeah. But oh, it's re- like just like there's well, something. Yeah. Coming out of
3: your mouth is the worst. I
1: Guys, wonder, what do you think? Yeah, do, do you have weird those dreams?
0: I don't have that one. No. I have weird recurring dreams, though, for sure.
1: See, I read something about. Dreams involving teeth or the mouth are like can symbolize some like an infant feeling, like you feel oh, really? infantilized. But that's more like the teeth crumbling thing. Well that is just people like there's...
3: it symbolizes death. It's like that's not symbol- right. like, you're you're not like psychic in your dreams, like you know, like but it is weird. It's like, yeah, maybe
1: I well I sort of, it's such a strong sensation of something being caught in my throat that I can't get out. Although, actually, a psychologist would probably be like, well, there's something you're trying to say that you can't say. But I I just wonder if, like, we're choking on something. That's what
3: I kind of say. I feel like sometimes my face may be, like, in a pillow, and I may have, like, some pillow in my mouth, and I can't. Like, I'm just trying to, like, get the pillow up, but I'm like, you know, I'm just face down. Paul? Yeah.
0: What do you sleep on at night?
3: A pillow. Okay. Uh,
2: it's oh, okay. No.
0: We, we are... have a, we have an obsession on this show with people who say words like slightly off. Yeah. Like Chris,
3: how do you, you how do you say like pillow? Pillow.
1: Pillow. Pillow.
3: Uh, I like... say pillow. You say pillow. <laughs> 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 eh, that's great.
1: Wait, how do you say M I L K? Milk. Yeah. Some people okay. say milk. Well, uh, say milk.
3: Uh,
0: how do you say the thing you take that your that a pharmacist gives you?
3: Uh, prescription pill. Okay, a pill. Pill. Oh, pillow, That's how you would say it? Pillow? That's how we say it.
1: But you know pillow. what? We're all, Maybe. this is all like, this is real. Yeah, I guess pot this, is pot very, this
0: is very like <laughs> pot calling
1: thing. the kettle black, too, because there's all things we, we, we're so heightened, we're so attuned to it now. <laughs> Ever since Chris said where <laughs> he puts his clothes, I
3: say drawer. <laughs> I say, I say drawer, too. See?
0: No, no. They're different. All right. Then we He's... have a, then we have another guy on the show who says helicopter or helicopter,
3: sorry. Helicopter. Instead of helicopter. <laughs> it is funny how you have like certain, you know, certain things you're just locked into it. I think it's fine. It makes you different
0: stick yeah. with it. Yeah, we're gonna
3: pillow.
1: Chrissy says, just me or everyone. When I get part way through my day and can't remember if I put deodorant on, oh, is that just me or everyone she's saying, I then spend the rest of the day avoiding folks. No, just do what no. I do, which is just smell your armpit or just put your finger under there and see if there's a little bit of white residue in which case you did put it on well i do that all the time i
3: mean the other thing is just <laughs> carry carry a sack in your car that has like utilities like there's certain things i'm like i put something in my car i'm like i may need this toothpaste toothbrush deodorant like you never know where you may spend the night earthquakes out here whatever you have to have like a, yep. a go bag at the ready, and that's a perfect thing. Just have a little go bag in your car. It's small. I
0: have a change of clothes, too. Yeah. There's a black T-shirt in there. You never l- know when you're going to fucking spill something. In. You 100%. know that save me, that I can just go out and put on a plain black T-shirt? I had
3: the same exact thing. I learned this all from the movie Space when Dennis Quaid uh, had a suitcase in his car, and I was like, that's smart. As a kid, I was like, yep, I'm going to do that when I'm a kid, an adult. It's the best. You The shirt's in the car. If you're a dude... Carry an extra T-shirt. A white one, a black one. It doesn't make a difference. It goes with everything. You're always going to be set.
1: Exactly. Steve, and a hoodie. Steve Ditlinger says, just me or everyone, on my way into a store, I push a cart in from parking lot. So when I leave, I create no net increase of carts in lot. Well, you're a oh. wonderful person.
3: Yeah. Forget that, bro.
0: <laughs> well, too wonderful. I'll only do that if there's a shopping cart that's too close for comfort to my car. Yes.
3: I get aggressive with the shopping carts now. Like I used to, even like look for where there would be a place to deposit the cart when I'm done. Now I'm like, fuck it, you deal with it, employee of Costco. Uh, but I just like I just let it. I just let it ride. I don't even try anymore. I'm like, they'll, they'll get it. I'm bad. I'm bad. I should put it in that little corral. The cart. Corral. It
1: is interesting how walking it to the cart corral sometimes feels just. It's just too hard. It's just just too far.
3: I did it. I've already been here. What else do you want from me? You've already (laughs) taken all my money. Now i got to do your work for you.
1: Ryan Mulholland says I always hold my sandwich so that the cheese is on top of the meat, even though it couldn't possibly make a difference. Well, that's how that's yes. That is how that's the correct order for a sandwich, I
3: think. Well, no, no. I think Uh I don't know about that. I feel like maybe like a hamburger, but a deli sandwich, you don't have to put the cheese. I put it in the middle. you oh, put it in okay. the middle to give you that little – BAP. you get like the meat should be – it gives you a little bit more of a zing. I like to put a lot of stuff in the I, – I kind of put meat on one side and then the other side of the bread and then in the center I put my condiments. So then you kind of get this flavor explosion.
1: That is an interesting idea. Pickles in the middle. But do you have – if the condiments – like you would put your mustard and stuff in the middle too? Sometimes. Doesn't it – it doesn't soak into anything then?
3: It soaks into the meat. So the meat is like flavored, ready to go. You don't want to get that bread all soggy. Like sometimes people do peanut butter on either side of the bread and put the jelly in the center. That's a nice cuz then you basically the peanut butter protects the jelly from shooting out. Guys, these are my sandwich tips. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Where are you guys on this? I know you have strong sandwich feelings. I, I,
0: I defer to Chris. You want the cheese on the top. <laughs>
2: that's why. Why? That's what I think. <laughs> that's why. It's, it's just propriety. Because of, of the placement of your tongue. That's the first thing. The first thing you want to touch is the meat No, if the you,
3: if the, the cheese is on top, the then first the thing your tongue touches tuts- is, yeah, is the, the meat. Thing. Yeah, the
0: last thing your tongue touches is cheese if it's on top.
2: No, you. Want, that's why you want the meat first. Why would you want the cheese before the meat?
0: <laughs> See, I'm with Paul, but I just like how worked up he is. I asked yeah. him while we it were off mic, and he started gets, screaming at me. It all
3: comes together. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a I, – I guarantee you if I blindfolded you and gave you two sandwiches with the cheeses on top and the cheese on the bottom, you would not be able to know the difference.
2: I wouldn't know the difference, and I'd be stoked because I got two sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs>
1: Mallory says, when walking my dog and see another dog coming, I'll cross the street to avoid the dogs potentially not getting long parking. Yeah, I do that all the
3: time.
2: Yeah, that's – I mean,
3: especially if you have a crazy-ass dog or that dog looks crazy coming I at do you. I that.
2: Um just like when I'm walking down the street, I don't have eight dogs, I walk over there. <laughs> That's what I was gonna
3: say. I do the same thing. I'm like, fuck this, I don't want to be attacked by some like and always the loudest dogs are like the smallest, weirdest dogs. Like, oh shut up, dog.
0: I was walking down the street in Hollywood the other day and I was like forty yards from this dog and I saw it and I was like, Oh, homeless person's dog that's tied to a tree. Like right. Noted. And then <laughs> as I got closer, this random chick that was walking out of the farmer's market, like, stopped and started trying to pet it. And it was like a pit bull. Like it was a big dog. And yeah. I I, like, literally had to stop myself from yelling, don't do that.
1: It's so weird. I I feel like I know that exact type of girl. It's just like I – someone
0: failed you because you should not be putting your hands close to the mouth of this dog that is clearly belonging to the homeless person taking a nap next to it. (laughs) Like, that's just bad
3: business. I 100% agree. I feel like – don't pet anything. Don't touch things. Don't pet things. Like, just – Live your life without. The, like, I don't understand people like, hey, gotta pet your dog. And it's like then get down on the ground and start like making out with this dog. It's like you know what? I don't like that person doesn't want it. You don't want it. just let everyone mind their business. I'm you be- disagree. You I love
2: petting other people's dogs. <laughs> um, and the reason, but the reason I avoid it is not because I, I don't want them to bark at me. It's because I don't. I don't like when things don't like me. Okay. Like, like with like same with like little kids. If a little kid automatically doesn't like when I first meet him. I'll spend the rest of my day trying to make him like me. Of course. And the same thing with a dog. If a dog isn't liking me and it's barking at me, I'll spend the rest of my day feeding him treats, sneaking him some 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 of my That's hilarious. Cheese on top. And and I will get him I will get that dog to like me.
3: <laughs> I right. like I like look, if it's a friend's dog, I'm going to pet that dog. If it's a person in the street, I don't want to have that conversation like, ooh, he likes you. Oh, his name is this. I'm like, I don't wanna hear it. Like, I don't want to hear the I don't want to hear the dog interpreter tell me what this dog is going through. If I can just pet it and go, I'm all in. It's the conversation with the person, the dog owner, that I really want to avoid. Because they're so like, oh and like, ugh, can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it all and it.
1: finally, Ryan says, intentionally call an ex, but say it was an accident so that you could talk to them without having to admit you wanted to talk to them. I've never done that. No.
3: Why do you want to talk to an ex?
1: Well, because you still like them. I think that's why he's doing it. But this I feel guy. like this – I feel like your ex sees through this. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah. How do you accidentally real, call people no,
0: these days anyway? That's a real – accidentally called somebody?
3: Yeah. That's a real – Bad move. Right. That, that, that's a shitty excuse. Oh, I thought I was calling someone else. Who and why? Like, we we have enough phone technology here where you don't act like, oh, the number was one digit off. No, that's not an accident. That happens to people.
1: All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for doing my show.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It was uh, such a treat. And hopefully we'll get to do uh, more voice stuff on that yes. pilot that will be... Uh, that we can't or we can talk about that we what
1: don't else? know if we should talk about yeah. that yes so people can follow you on twitter at yes. Paul Shear.
3: yes and uh, it's S-C-H-E-E-R and you can listen to the podcast How Did This Get Made every Tuesday uh, you can just find it on iTunes on Earwolf.com whatever you know how to do it you're fucking smart you're listening to this you dum-dums
1: and you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen you can follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIOAMBF you can follow Chris at Chris Loxamana you can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith we have a ringtone available hey, Whoa. hey Hey, go fuck yourself. You need this. I love that. You need it. Um, and you can get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself with your iPhone in the iTunes store. Set, Make it your alarm. You can have... Uh, it's set to be your text tone. You can have it go off in public and then you'll know who the other people who listen to this show are. That's happened to numerous people. They've written in and, and I love hearing that. It's a, it's a, It builds community um, and also we have a special bonus episode that we recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival with Doug Benson and musician Matt Costa and Chris and Matt and Gary. You can get that uh, in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. All right. And if you're going to buy some in on Amazon, click through the banner on my website, Alice rosen.com it doesn't cost anything extra but it does help out the show all right thank you again so all much all right this was thank really you fun. for having thank me. you guys for listening i love you goodbye hey do you
3: know about the alice and rosen show we had a good time but now we gotta go thank you for choosing the alice and rosen show
2: Introducing a breakthrough in cat litter from Arm & Hammer. Arm &
1: Hammer Clump & Seal is totally different than what I've used before. Even after seven days, it was odor-free. There was some sort of sealing magic happening.
2: Only Clump & Seal forms a tight seal around odor and destroys it with unique Arm & Hammer odor eliminators and baking soda for a seven-day odor-free home, guaranteed.
1: I've tried every product. This is really pretty remarkable.
2: New clump and seal cat litter. Seven-day odor-free home guaranteed. Look on the package for $3 off.